We live inside a dream. Diane, I am now upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Uh, from your two your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. We'll get it right one of these days. Yeah, geeks who like Twin Peaks. Yes. Wimps who my like name. Kubrick and Lynch. <laughs> uh, my name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Hello. Welcome to the Black Lodge. To the Black Lodge. Welcome to One-Eyed Jacks. Care for a prostitute? <laughs> you know, uh, I am recording in a brothel right now. Uh, just, Interesting. Yeah. I'm Okay, uh, this is a serious question, Eric. Have you actually ever been to a brothel? Uh, I have not. I, oh, okay. I, not to my knowledge have I been to a, a brothel. Now, I might have been in one and not known it, but I don't sure. I think so. Have you? Well, you came to my house, right? Yeah. <laughs> then you've been in one. Wait a no. minute. I run That's a where all those doors were. <laughs> yeah. 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 You didn't notice there was like 12 doors leading to screaming and <laughs> and uh, sex, sex sounds, grunting, pig squealing. Right. Uh, you know, I do. I do now that I now that you mentioned, I I do remember a lot of oinks, a lot of oinking mm-hmm. going on yeah. behind behind closed doors there at the uh, the Schmidt residence. Jeremy, how you feeling right now? Are you? We're like we're we're getting into season two. Okay, yes, we're deep into season two. Here is going to be my um. Here's the log line for this episode, Eric. Okay, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that is my logline for this episode of this show. We're covering today uh, season two, episodes four, five, and six, or canonically 12, 13, and 14 of yeah. the show. Uh, we'll start with Laura's Secret Diary. We'll go into the Orchid's Curse, and then we'll go into Demons. And my my big returning question that has plagued yeah. me for the past three episodes, <laughs> for the past three hours, mind you, is... What happened to the show? Oh, God. Oh, God. What happened? <laughs> well, I have an explanation for you for the first episode. Um, okay. And, and, you know, I don't know the exact timeline on this. I, I, I'm going to... We'll talk more about it in the next episode. We'll talk a lot more about it. But I think B- Bob Iger uh, took over at... at uh, was the show on ABC, I think? Mm. I don't remember exactly. But Bob Iger affiliated with Disney? Yeah, that guy. Okay. Bob um, Iger. <laughs> and he uh, was heavily uh, trying to influence sort of the um, the way things were going with the, the show. He, he Basically, his uh, in, in a perfect world, David Lynch would have never re- uh, revealed the killer of Twin mm-hmm. Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, Bob Iger like, really wanted them to do that. And, right. And uh, they kind of butt heads. And we'll see... Uh, we'll see more of that, what that results in uh, next episode. But uh, yeah, because it's not. Well, I mean, we don't find out who the killer is in in 
either of these three episodes we're about to no. cover, mind you. So, spoiler alert, you do not know the killer by the end of this. But there are some choices made in this in this show that I'm like completely dumbfounded by. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. uh, Mr. Tojimura being... <laughs> Uh huh. Being probably the biggest one, uh, yep. but also like, yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it's kind of going in a direction that's like off the rails, but like in a way that I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just not sure why. Um, we get a lot. We get a lot of uh, that guy with his plants in these in these three oh, episodes. Yeah. We get a lot of oh, that yeah. guy, Harold. Harold, you know, yeah. We gotta we gotta go a little easy on Harold. You, you know, Drew, our our buddy Drew, who's uh a, a one of our beloved patrons, which mm-hmm. by the way, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're gonna do uh the leprechaun in the hood. Oh, uh just for, in time for, for St. Patreon. Patrick's Day. <laughs> exactly. Uh yeah. shout out to Brian for for uh twisting our arm on on doing a leprechaun movie. Uh we got we got a couple. We got we're doing Tales from the Crypt episodes. We got a whole bunch of good shit going on over there. But Drew, uh, Drew is apparently a fan of of Harold, the character what? Harold. I haven't. Uh, you know, I should ask you, Drew if you're listening to this. Tell us more about that. I want to. I want to know. I want to know what you, what you like about Harold. He is a uh, 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 interesting. I think I said on the last episode that I just feel like he doesn't isn't like doesn't feel like a member of twin peaks you know what i mean like you just sort of like i don't know it doesn't really fit in with the other characters to me but, yeah i think uh, it, it, he's a he's an odd he's an odd one because he it's like he thinks he fits in because he's being a yeah. fucking weirdo but that's not really just just generically weird is not really the tone of this show like he's it, it's a it's very specific i feel like and he just he really to me he doesn't exactly fit and he's way over the top and his character doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Like, I don't, I don't know who Harold is, why he does the things he does the way he does them. Um, And we'll kind of get into it when we go through the plot, but there are a few scenes with Harold where I'm just like, did I miss something? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Like, what are you saying right now? And, um, and yeah, like there's uh, one scene in particular. I'm just like, why did you stage this scene this way? Like it just yeah. looked so bad. But then there's an yeah, and then and then we'll get into Bobby and Shelly and what mm. the hell they're doing with Leo, <laughs> which yeah, is all the physical slapstick comedy bits we start to get. Yeah, which is like a fucking. It's like a it's like a nightmare in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll get into all this good stuff. I I just feel like the show. This is about the time where the show takes a wee bit of a dip and um and then i think there's a slight reprieve when we kind of find out who the killer is like i actually i actually like the bob and mike stuff i think that stuff kind of works for me and then and then once we find out who the killer is which is spoiler alert coming up pretty soon Mm -hmm. um it's it's sort of all down here hill for the rest of season two unfortunately for me anyways and, and that's just for remembering my my first uh my first little watch of it yeah i will say the season uh i think the last two episodes are really good in my opinion also it's worth sticking around for Firewalk with me which is very good and obviously uh the return is is very very good uh so hang in there if you're and i will say even though i've seen like like these episodes probably like 
four times at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I still enjoy them. <laughs> like I'm still I'm still having a good time. It's just yeah. like it's more of a like yeah like what like what you you've been saying like what the hell went wrong and I don't know there there are some things that I still that I still love about about this show even even at this point you know like even even cooper i mean a lot of these characters were created by you know david lynch and mark frost and i guess once you kind of like hand your show over to like a bunch of other people and all this like network drama Mm. gets involved it's 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 bound to to get uh a little weird at some point right but uh, But, and plus we do get the introduction of david lynch in person in the show in one of these episodes i believe it's in the last episode we'll cover today and he's kind of my favorite part of i mean he's like one of my favorite characters so you know it is it is weird like you were saying and it's like a it's like a strange situation where i'm still having fun the show's definitely not as good as it was just episodes prior (laughs) Uh, yes. but it is, it's taking a strange turn, but I am still here for it, but I, it go, it, it should go, we sh- it sh- it's worth mentioning that it's like, this is a disappointing direction and there are disappointing choices being made. And, um, it is, I, I agree it is worth sticking around for and worth watching, but it is also like, man, what a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we'll be here to talk about all of it, and uh, let's dive into Laura's Secret Diary. This is technically episode 11. So this episode, Jeremy, was written by Jerry Stahl, who is, uh, he was uh, mostly a sitcom writer, I believe. Um, He eventually, in 2003, wrote Bad Boys 2, uh, which is very good. (laughs) But so Jerry Stahl, and I like started reading his memoir, but it was like too fucked up and gross. Uh, mm-hmm. for me to finish was uh, I believe especially like especially at this time that he wrote this episode like very addicted to uh, cocaine and or heroin I think both mm-hmm. um, like shooting up and uh, I think he was like a sex addict or something too if I'm remembering correctly uh, but he basically got hired to write uh, t- twi- uh, in episode of Twin Peaks, and he was just like, I guess, in the middle of like a crazy bender, and he at the same time was hired to write an episode of Northern Exposure. Yes, and and um, it goes and like we should mention Northern Exposure just for a second yes. for context is sort of like ripping off Twin Peaks. Like it's a show that m- very much wanted to be Twin Peaks, right? It's like very weird. It's got a weird, sim- very similar tone. It kind of takes place up north. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a show that I never actually watched before, and I would like to uh, I would like to dive in. It's like, it's it's a sitcom, right? Is it just a straight-up sitcom? I believe... Okay, so I haven't seen it, but I believe it is a... It is a... It is a teledrama not, not okay. drama but like comedic get to know these people I, I think it's like twin peaks I don't, I don't think it has like a laugh track or anything cool um but maybe it does i don't I, I could be wrong you know maybe we'll maybe we'll get to that uh yeah point. yeah maybe we'll be uh uh just not, uh being nice over northern exposure God, yeah we're yeah. these are taking a flying dump yeah, these getting, these titles yeah, yeah. We got to workshop them more. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, Jerry Stahl turned in the script, and apparently, as lore has it, um, it had 
Okay, so there's two things about the script he turned in. One thing that I've read anecdotally is that he had somehow mixed up some pages with the Northern Exposure episode and the <laughs> Twin Peaks episode and turned in awesome. like a weird combination of both. Uh, the second thing is that uh, the script that he turned in had blood, hair, and possibly cocaine on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you look at like the IMDb cre- writing credit for this, it says written by Jerry Stahl, Mark Frost, Har- Harley Payton, and Robert Engels. They mm-hmm. basically like brought in a team of like yeah. Twin Peaks writers to try and salvage it. And I will say, I actually, I think I set this up last week as like one of the worst episodes. It's kind of bad compared to what we've, what we're used to, but I actually do kind of, I kind of like it. And you can sort of tell that there's like a sitcom writer guy yeah. involved, especially in like the MT Wentz, like storyline is very like sitcom-y. Um, that's so crazy yeah Yeah, jerry stall is is a um he's a fun guy to to go down a little uh google k-hole with like if you want to look up some pretty crazy stuff he he's famously in 1998 there was the film adaptation of his memoir called permanent midnight uh Mm -hmm. that was uh it had Ben Stiller as like the leading (laughs) cast Ben Ben Stiller as Jerry Stahl so if you want to watch a film based on his life well there you go but he wrote for like Alf (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he wrote it but but as most recently though he wrote for Marin the show Marin oh I said yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. it's very it's very nuts Jerry Stahl he must be super talented because I don't know why anyone else would put up with I don't know yeah um, um yeah. anyway directed by todd holland let's dive into the plot here um so harry shakes leland out of a daze uh, and interrogates him about his visit to the hospital this was very i love this opening this was mm. like very kind of lynchian even though he's not super involved in this one right uh, this is the scene where leland's just sta- kind of staring straight ahead he's uh-huh. being interrogated it's it's yeah it's got a cool tone to it yep uh, he believes that uh, Jacques killed Laura. Um, Dr. Hayward uh, tells Cooper that no parent should bury their child, and Cooper asks if he approves of Leland's actions. Uh, Andy asks Dr. This storyline is insane. Andy asks yeah. Dr. Hayward about his sperm, and Hayward gives him a vial to fill. Uh, on his way, Andy bumps into Lucy while carrying a copy of Flesh World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very sitcom-y, very f- kind of like um, the hijinks that you would see on a network sitcom, maybe, yeah. you know? Yeah. I also like Flesh Like, Flesh World is apparently just like a regional porno magazine. Oh, it's a real magazine. It's nice. real? Uh, no, I was asking no, no, no. you. Oh, I no, I, I meant regional. Like, this, it seems like it was... Because, like, if Laura and Ronette were able to get, like, ads in there, that means it's, like, kind of a local publication i right? love that idea yeah <laughs> yeah god when That'd is uh when is highland park los angeles california <laughs> gonna have their 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 local regional porno magazine come out There's, i want i want to see that lady from cbs in there <laughs> uh harry tells cooper that the judge will arrive that day and reports that the county records show no one by the name of robertson living in the white house uh they believe a current address for the, uh, but they have a current address for the last occupants. 
Um, Andy drops his sperm vial, and when he bends over to pick it up, Cooper asks about uh, his boots, which he bought from the one-armed man. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. That's um, fun. That's a clue. We know that because maybe boots are... They had footprints, right? Like footprints... They, those boots correspond yeah, to yeah, footprints, yeah. right? Like that's that's why that's important. Yes, they do. Footprints from the crime scene, I think. Yeah. Uh, a hotel employee tells Ben that travel writer M.T. Wentz will be visiting Twin Peaks. Uh, I wonder if this name was like, is M.T. Wentz just for that bad joke that uh, I think Andy does later? Yeah, you what is he? What is, what is the joke? He just says, calls like empty him empty wins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, good. Probably uh, <laughs> fake, fake uh, uh, travel writer name. Uh, Jean shows Ben the video of the bound Audrey uh, and explains that he is just the messenger, uh, and then he offers his assistance. Uh, he explains that he wants Cooper to bring the ransom in cash and tells Ben to expect a call the next day at noon. Uh, mm. Ben orders an assistant to find Cooper. Um, what do you think of Jean? Jean Renault? Michael Parks? Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Uh, he's good. I like Michael Parks. I like that. He's another character to me that's a little bit like Harold, honestly, who kind of doesn't fit. Yeah. In the show, like um. Like he's he is pretty creepy. He is he is kind of a Lynchian character. I I, I just I guess a gunplay doesn't super seem to fit in this show. So later on when we like bust into the well, a little spoiler, but for head, but like later we're gonna bust into one eyed Jackson, pretty much have a like a shootout, and yeah. I'm kind of like uh, like I don't know if I love that, but I I do I do think Jean Renault he's definitely evil as fuck, like yeah, and I think yeah. like his whole thing with Audrey is super creepy, and yes, that uh, and yeah, is this um, candy is dandy, yeah. So this is him talking to Ben, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay, great. So yeah, we'll, I won't. Yeah, there's a scene coming up later that I'll, I'll mention, but it's super creepy. But yeah. yeah. Um, Norma tells Hank about uh, empty Wentz. Uh, Hank uh, leaves to pick up flowers, tablecloths, and candles, and tells her to ask Big Ed to recommend the diner to any unfamiliar motorists. I fucking hate Hank so much. Yeah, and are, is scene, the show trying to get us to little, like him? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Like it. it I will say one thing that I do like about this uh sort of like this point in the show is i think like everyone is kind of like suspicious of someone else and Mm. i think that's i remember feeling that way when i was watching the show for the first time i was like i don't know any of these people could be (laughs) could be the killer right and i think you're supposed to think it's harold too like i think they're they're really trying to push that it's probably harold right like they did with jacoby in season one Mm -hmm. yeah um, so Donna, uh, a teenager, a uh, high school teenager, uh, drinks wine with an adult man named Harold uh, <laughs> in, his, in his house. <laughs> yes. And at, uh, at least Harold is like on the level and pretty normal. Right, Eric? <laughs> oh no, he's batshit. Uh, <laughs> batshit crazy. Oh no, he's also a psychopath. Great. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm not saying that because he has like whatever the mental, uh, disorder is where you like, don't leave your house. That's, 
people actually have that. I'm not making yeah. fun of that. I just just like this guy, like outside of that, is just like a fucking creep. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the way he, yeah he speaks in, in terms of like, uh oh, you have a lot of light around you. Uh, Laura also yeah. had the same light around her, and he also <laughs> is holding onto her diary, which is criminal evidence. Right, like that's yeah. that is evidence yeah, yeah. to her to her disappearance and murder, um, and that he that is very perverted of a teenage girl, and he reads it over and over, and quite frankly, let's just say it what we're all thinking. He beats off to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of beating off to literature. <laughs> I guess that's what people probably did at some point. Uh, Harold, yeah. So so Donna's basically like suggests that Harold give the diary to the sheriff, and he's just like, there are no solutions in here. And uh, Harold uh, then said he says that people from the outside tell him their stories. Um, so yeah, yeah, what a creepy thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Cooper watches Audrey's video in Ben's office. Uh, Ben says that Cooper and Audrey had a special relationship and asks Cooper to deliver the 125K. Um, Josie, who we all know was on a vacation far away, Mm -hmm. uh, returns home with many (laughs) shopping bags. Uh, Pete informs her that Catherine died in the fire, but although they have yet to find the body, he says they will have a service in a few days. Yeah, and he says, uh, I don't know what body we're going to bury. I don't even know what we're going to bury. I'm like, wow, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Nance, great guy. Great guy. Uh, Emery, close personal friend, uh, former close personal friend of mine. Former. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emery Dre, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. I don't know Jack Nance. <laughs> uh, Emery Dear drags friend. the drug... Uh, Audrey into Blackie's office while Jean waits. Uh, she tells him that Emery hit her head or hit her and Jean tells her that she will be fine as long as she is with Jean. Uh, he shoots Emery and hugs the sobbing Audrey. Yeah, this is the scene yeah. I was talking about that like ends the shot of that's kind of like from above of her sobbing as Jean is like kind of sitting in her lap hugging her is like very yeah um dark <laughs> yeah it's not good yeah it's um, not good but it, but it's not good i think in a good way like i do like the right. way this is done um you know yeah i will say like all this audrey stuff is like very dark uh in like a way that services uh the story i think like, right it, but it, it's hard what's it, what becomes upsetting i think that we'll, we're starting to see is that it is a hard jump from this to Hey, Nadine thinks she's a 16-year-old girl again. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. tonally this show I feel like had a consistency and it's starting to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Andy approaches Lucy who yells at him about the magazine. So Cooper dismisses Andy and asks Lucy to tell him what's been upsetting her. Uh she explains her history with Andy and Dick. Uh, but she has no idea what she wants. After Lucy leaves, Harry says uh, they have been down this road before. Cooper then asks Harry confidentially for a bookhouse boy. Yeah. Sorry, I had to. I had to burp. Uh, a stranger <laughs> enters a bookhouse the burp. <laughs> the uh, Double R Diner. Uh, after Norma has tried to make the restaurant seem fancy, 
I love her attempt at making the double R mm-hmm. seem fancy. Uh, when the man goes to the bathroom, Hank steals his wallet. I also love the idea. I can't remember like who is, and I forget what happens with the storyline, but um, I love the idea of just like a trucker who has to take a shit, like coming in mm-hmm. and just being treated like a king because they think <laughs> yeah. he's a restaurant reviewer. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that is a, that is a nice sketch idea for sure. Yeah. It is a, it is, yeah, it, this isn't, yeah. Oh, we also get to see Toad in this scene because they're like, Toad, get the hell out of here. Get in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And he's like sneaking bites of something in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Maddie and Donna meet in a booth, and Donna insists that she is not angry over Maddie's relationship with James and asks for her uh, help retrieving Laura's diary. Uh, Hank searches the stranger's wallet to find he is not empty Wentz, but District Attorney uh, Daryl Lodwick. Uh, Harry meets Josie at her living room, uh, and she shows him a scandalous new dress. She says she left town because she was afraid and rebukes Harry for his suspicions. Uh, she has Harry tear the shawl and make love to her. An Asian man watches through the window. God. Uh, yeah. uh, Judge Sternwood enters the station house and gives Lucy a hug. Uh, Harry enters and asks the judge, er, and the judge asks what his la- lady What his trouble lady is. trouble is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Harry introduces Cooper to the judge, and Dick offers Lucy enough cash to get an abortion. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe he refers to it as their their little problem or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, upset by this, uh, Lucy tells him to leave, and Andy hears her crying. Yeah. Uh, the judge talks to Leland and tells him that they will raise a glass together in Valhalla. Uh, the prosecutor has not not arrived, so Leland will spend the night in jail. Sternwood's beautiful law clerk picks him up to take him to the Winnebago. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about the law clerk. Yeah, me too. She yeah, she's making eyes at Cooper. That's sort of the mm-hmm. we think maybe maybe there's gonna be a maybe a love will blossom that is more yeah. age appropriate for Cooper. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time we're think we're seeing. Oh, maybe there's gonna be like a romance. Story arc. I don't remember, but if there's going to be some sort of a love story mm-hmm. arc with, with Cooper. Um, ben greets contestants for a beauty contest, and the hotel clerk checks in a mysterious stranger. Uh-huh. Very mysterious. <laughs> yes. Uh, almost too mysterious. Yeah. Uh, Josie introduces the Asian man to Peter as her cousin, Jonathan. When Peter leaves, Jonathan tells Josie that her business is almost done and she is expected back in Hong Kong. Uh, Cooper meets Harry at the roadhouse. Harry says he is the bookhouse boy Cooper was expecting. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, uh, that's, that's, that's nice. That's nice. There is a knock on the diner door. Hank answers, uh, lights go out, Jonathan's standing there. Uh, he fights Hank and holds his hand as a blood brother. I think Hank tries to roundhouse kick him yeah. at one point. At one, yeah, he he beats the shit out of Hank. Um, why does he yeah. hold his hand as a blood brother? Hold his what hand. does that man? What does that mean? I don't know. Hank doing that? Yeah, he who, fights. Who well, that's. The, I mean, I, we're looking at a wiki here, and I'm and I'm looking at the sentence. He fights Hank and holds his hand as a blood brother. Now, I, I saw this uh-huh. episode yesterday, 
And I'm and I'm trying to remember yeah, what that remember. sentence is referring to. I don't know. Because I know Hank did the like blood packed thing with Josie in season one. I don't know if that's any sort of a reference to that. Maybe it's a maybe that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah, basically Hank gets the shit kicked out of him by mm-hmm. Jonathan, which is good. <laughs> good yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's fun to watch Hank get his ass beat. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, episode eleven. Um, yeah. So what are your thoughts about episode eleven? After uh, knowing what we know now about Jerry Stahl and all that good stuff, it's it's the first noticeable downhill. Uh, de- it's the first noticeable like decline in. Uh, I don't know quality. Maybe I, I don't know what the right word would be. It's just not. It's it go it gets away. There's a, enough things that are just like a little too different from what I'm used to with this show, and I don't necessarily like some of them. Yeah, and I don't know exactly because we don't when we can't know unless we talk to Mr. Jerry Stahl about this. But uh, if he was asked to set up some of this stuff, or if he just did it on his own volition, and then like the rest of the show we spend trying to clean up some of his wackiness, but the, some of these plot lines that, that are set up in this episode are, well, I mean, let's kind of go through them. We have the mysterious stranger, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, it's Catherine in a, in an Asian doing Asian face, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, there's that. We also have the plot line of, uh, Josie and Jonathan, kind of set up in this that like there's some sort of criminal ring that Josie's a part of and Jonathan is a part mm-hmm. of it too and Ben Horn's wrapped up in it and Hank is wrapped up in it um yeah and and uh yeah then we and then we're, and now we're getting kind of the closing of the uh the uh the Audrey Horn saga which will pretty much wrap up in the next episode so i mean these these things that are set up are to me all of it could have been cut. Like all of it should not be in the show. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, this is a distraction. And beyond that, it's like, it's very tacky and tacky is a Mm -hmm. nice word to use. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's see if it gets any better. Shall we, Jeremy? Uh, Episode 12, the orchids curse, uh, written by Barry Pullman, directed by Graham, uh, Graham Clifford, uh, Cooper turns off his alarm and tells Diane that he dreamt he was eating a large, tasteless gumdrop, only to reveal he was chewing on one of his earplugs. <laughs> yeah. uh, he does a headstand and finds Audrey's note under the bed, uh, which says she is going to one-eyed Jacks. Uh, what did you think of that? What did you think of like this, like this being set up in like basically season one? And I like now, that actually. Just I like now to getting see paid like off. a little. A little payoff, a little payoff from season one to season two, because I feel like we haven't gotten like maybe enough of that. Yeah. Um, Do you, did you feel like point. the note was it was like earned that she like left it in his room and he's just now seeing it? Like I guess I guess they don't have cleaning people in the. Great yeah, I guess that's a little weird, but um, I don't know. I think I I, I generally liked it. What do you What do you think about it? No, I, I guess I didn't have a problem with it really. I just I, yeah. I mean these were questions I was asking, but I was also kind of like. Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they did set it. They took the time to set it up, so I'm glad they did pay it off and didn't just forget about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um let's see. Hawk tells Harry uh two retired school teachers live next to the Palmer's old place uh and they have no memory of a gray-haired man. 
Lucy tells Harry that she will be visiting her sister and uh, new nephew for two days. Cooper tells Harry he knows where Audrey is. Uh, Tim Pinkle explains to Bobby and Shelly <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, the workers, uh, the workings of a harness to move a man from bed to chair. Shelly says that the hearing of Leo today... Uh, wait, Shelly says... That but there the is a hearing for Leo today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they walk outside as the harness swings Pinkle back and forth. So when uh, you say slapstick comedy, this is yeah. more or less what you're talking about. Yeah. This yeah. guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and look, can we also be honest here? Like, Bobby and Shelly are also idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're very stupid. And they're, like, to be doing a very bad job of pretending to be, I guess, cousins or whatever. Yes, yeah. This is like um some uh some weird like fairly brothers level yeah. type comedy interjected yeah. into our very serious murder show. Mm-hmm. Bobby and Shelly have also their characters have changed just a bit. Where now they're like they're like completely asinine. Whereas I felt like Bobby wasn't always the most grounded character, but he he had pathos or some something, you know, like he was kind of just like an like I guess a more chill kind of cool asshole guy. And sure. now he's just like, again, it's a lot of like overacting really. It's just him being like, go man, Shelly, what? Like just like screaming yeah. a lot. And you're like, Oh, calm down. Yeah. The, I, I find the Bobby Shelly um, plot line along with the Ed and Nadine plot line to be very cartoony and very strange. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Judge Sternwood holding court in the roadhouse. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Court in the roadhouse. We're finally hanging out in the roadhouse, by the way. It's good I love the roadhouse. It's a great, great location. Uh, the district attorney urges that Leland be held without bail, uh, with Harry speaking in his defense. The judge releases Leland on his own uh, recognizance, and Ben uh, leaves after the ruling is announced. Okay. Uh, Harold opens the door for Donna, who offers to share her life to be part of his novel. If she, so she basically wants the diary. Harold is like, "I will read the diary to you. You cannot touch it." Which he is such I don't a know fucking why she, creep. Like, yes, why? I, <laughs> I don't know why she like agreed with this. Like, I think it. I don't know. Is it? Are they setting up like Donna is? Are we supposed to believe that Donna is like? infatuated with this yeah weirdo? Okay. yeah she she even makes she even says so much when she like uh uh confronts james and um maddie maddie at the diner like i know a real guy who knows about culture or something she said you know she says that's not the line at all but it's like it's something to that effect of like you you guys like don't understand, and this is guy's the only one who understands me. And I think I think that in these scenes, they're they're set up in a way that Donna. I don't think she's doing acting yet. I think she's now that she wants the diary or realizes he has the diary. She's now she's starting to kind of go undercover. But for a while, when she was just doing the Meals on Wheels thing, she was like actually intrigued by this guy. He reminds me of like. Um, when I don't know, I mean, you went to college, Eric. You remember there's always sure. those people in college who like they get like they get the girl, but they're like so pretentious and 
and like you kind of see right through their bullshit, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, but they're like beloved. Maybe they bring a guitar to the party. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. they oh, just yeah. seem really deep, but they're they're really, in fact, very shallow. That's sort of mm-hmm. like I think the vibe I get from Harold and Donna, where Donna's never met a a man like Harold before. He talks in riddles. <laughs> right. Yeah. When in reality, she just like hasn't gone to college yet. And yeah. Like doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyone looks yeah. like poetic up next to James, but it, yeah, that's the only <laughs> other person she knows. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Think of the, like what the, what the like girls of Twin Peaks have to choose from. There's like Mike and Bobby and James. <laughs> Mike, Bobby, James, and of course, Agent Cooper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the judge examines evidence. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she takes the diary and he collapses outside very pathetically. Uh, the judge examines evidence against Leo. Leo's attorney, uh, Jack Racine, argues that since Leo is brain dead, trying him would be a mockery. A uh, district attorney argues that they must proceed in order to give the town a sense of justice. The judge pulls Harry and Cooper aside to ask if they think Leo is guilty. And if the town needs an immediate trial, the judge concludes that he will deem Leo not contempt to stand trial and recommend that he not be sent home or that, that he, he be, be sent home. Yeah, sent home. Yeah. Uh, Sternwood advises Cooper to keep his eyes on the woods. I got to say, like, the court... The, the hearing stuff is, like, kind of boring to me. Yeah. Um, and they set up, they try to set up Sternwood as being this, like, cool, like, uh, very, um, I don't know, like, this, like, badass character. Like, this, like, yeah. ooh, Sternwood's here, you know. And, and uh, honestly, he's barely functioning, I think, in this as a, as, like, sort mm-hmm. of a wise old sage kind of character mm-hmm. but i think but i think that's what they want us to think especially with the keep the your eyes on the woods thing which was like sternwood knows about the woods too you know yeah he's in the know and honestly it's just like a it's it is a weird kangaroo court so to speak it's a kangaroo court eric <laughs> it's a circus uh, <laughs> uh big ed and nadine finally the storyline we've been dying finally Return home. James greets them. Nadine asks who he is. Uh, she's still convinced she's in high school. Big Ed says that Dr. Jacoby is in Hawaii, recovering from his heart attack. Nadine accidentally rips the door off the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben Classic. enters his office. I don't know what they were trying to do with I really do not understand what they were trying to do with this storyline. It It's like... The, it's like the biggest mystery of the show to me is like, what were they thinking? It it doesn't fit. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, which story? The Nadine one? Yeah. 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 It is a, um, it, it, it just is, it belongs in a different show, a show maybe made in the 1970s or something. Like it belongs in a, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's, there's nothing grounded or even kind of real or empathetic or emotional. There's nothing about it that's appealing other than I think they think it's funny that she's super strong. Yeah. But Eric, you know, from like write and sketch comedy at the good old UCB theater, Nadine also suffers from the problem of more than one unusual thing. (laughs) She both doesn't understand that she's an adult and she's super strong. It's like, what? Like, like, 
in, in this case, I, while I don't always agree with this, I, I'm going to give it the note. Stick to one unusual thing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I will say there's a there's a storyline in The Return. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. That's like sort of similar to this, but it's like done very well and i actually yeah. really enjoy it so i don't okay, know good. maybe it's just the way that it's done i don't know it could it's be just, uh i don't know i yeah. i don't care for it ben enters his office uh is met by mr tajimura accompanied <laughs> by a valet right after being told that he was uh here by louis i a little anecdote about mr tajimura uh i guess when jack nance first saw mr tajimura like mm-hmm. on set he was fooled by it oh great yeah yeah that's kind of a fun, cute little uh, little an- anecdote there. Uh, yeah. He makes uh, uh, Ben makes a, a bigger offer for the Ghostwood development project and says the Tokyo Bank is ready to move immediately. Uh, he gives Ben a check for five million dollars. Mm-hmm. By the way, a hundred and twenty-five grand to get Audrey back doesn't seem like a lot. Right, right. right. If it, this guy's just throwing around like five million dollar check just getting like millions of dollars all the time well like, right like ben had ben, i mean yeah it's it, it's it's odd i'm my only thing thinking on there is like maybe the the criminals that have her are naming their price and maybe they don't they're they don't know realize that they're lowballing yeah, yeah by yeah. quite a quite a lot yeah that's yeah, yeah yeah that's that's what i'm saying uh hank hank walks down the hall of the hotel bobby following him avoiding eye shot Cooper follows, playing with a, a duck call. Hank enters Ben's office and watches him uh, bow goodbye to the Japanese investors. I love this I, scene. <laughs> I love like all of this. Uh, I loved like all of the Great Northern action. I love watching people walk around the halls. There's always something like crazy going on in the background. Yeah, uh, it's a very lively location. I love. Yeah, it. Uh, I do too. I, I uh, yeah, like in I think the last episode we had Ben Horn greeting the like uh beauty pageant people it's like it's like there's always some shenanigan happening yes uh jean renault calls uh ben ben asks to talk to audrey and jean says that uh that can wait and instructs ben where to leave the money ben shows cooper to the uh, briefcase of money in serialized denominations uh, Cooper tells Ben to stay near a phone and leaves. Ben instructs Hank to make sure Cooper and the money are delivered and to bring back Audrey. Whew. Uh, Woo! <laughs> Maddie and Donna examine a floor plan of Harold's home. How did they? Who knows, man? All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, I mean, what can Jean- the fl- how how elaborate can the floor plan possibly be? Also, Donna's yeah. been in his house, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jean practices with a wrist blade as he and Blackie eat fresh fruit. Uh, Blackie asks questions about how to make uh, the deal work. Nancy, Blackie's sister, returns and Blackie leaves. Nancy says uh, she has waited long enough for Blackie. Um, Andy works the phone at the station. Uh, the office and his body is covered with post-its. Uh, he's, uh, the poor guy's overwhelmed. He's overworked uh, and overwhelmed, Eric. Yes, and he finds out his sperm count is normal, so he exclaims, I'm a whole damn town. Yeah, which is referring uh, yeah. to the nurse on the phone who's saying, 
you don't just have a few sperms. You have a whole damn town's worth of sperms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Harry and Cooper examine a floor plan when I jacks. A lot of floor plans going a on. A lot of blueprints in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Hawk reports that no one has seen the one-armed man at the hospital in two days. Uh, he found the same drug that, and describes its strange smell. Hawk leaves, and Cooper and Harry continue to plan their approach. Um, Andy calls the number where Lucy is supposed to be staying. Uh, the number is actually for an abortion clinic. Whoa. Why would yeah. she give that number? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whenever I give someone a wrong number, it's for an abortion clinic. Yeah. Uh, Maddie or- orders a cup of coffee to go to the di- uh, to go at the diner. James, James is just like, just mind your own fucking business, dude. Yeah. Let the woman James is also like poor, coffee. poor James, man. He's like, I, I used to have two girls. Now I have zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maddie watches Harold's house through the bushes. Uh, so yeah, Donna's inside. Uh, they're talking. You know, she talks about this, this uh, story that she says when she, her and Laura were 13 and they're like swimming in a lake. Mm-hmm. This is in... Um, <clears throat> This is actually in the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which I was kind of, um, it was kind of nice to see because I was wondering if that, like, r- me reading that book, which is an interesting companion piece, but is also mm-hmm. like very dark and like fucked up. I yeah. was hoping that it would like benefit me in some way, and it, yeah, at least in this moment, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I like know a little bit about that because I read about it. Um, but yeah, basically, Harold. She's basically describing the time when she was like pedophiled by yeah, like a twenty-year-old, yeah. and Harold's yeah. like, "That's beautiful." Yeah, I mean, I guess it's also Donna is presenting it in a way that is like the like a positive memory or the mem- or like a a, a some yeah. sort of profound memory that she had when she was thirteen. But yeah, you're right. It, it, like uh, a responsible adult hearing the story of someone of a sexual assault on a 13 year old by a 20 year old coming out of the mouth of probably a 17 year old <laughs> is uh, <laughs> is is responsibly one might say, hey, that's not cool. You didn't deserve that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you, you know? Yeah. But Harold is but Harold's more uh, torqued by it. You know, he's he's fully torqued listening to this uh, story. Have you ever seen the, the movie Persona by Ingmar Bergman, Eric? I have not. Uh, Persona but- has a very similar... Uh, what, what would you call it? Like a similar um, scene? Butthole. Yeah, similar butthole. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's a similar scene to this where you know one of the ac- one of the actors is recount- recounting a story in which they were, you know, p- pretty much taken advantage of by I think a couple of guys on a beach, mm. and in uh, in it's told in the kind of this a, a similar way that's like so it's like this kind of like the car comes to a complete stop moment, right? Um, Eyes Wide Shut also has a very similar moment where Nicole Kidman confesses a story to Tom Cruise that's pretty crazy. And we'll get to that later on in San and Dave Need Wedding Dates, Stanley Kubrick edition. But oh, yeah. uh, but this scene is treated a little bit differently. It is kind of treated like this is a beautiful, wow, what a beautiful time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cooper and Harry, they're outside of One-Eyed Jacks. Owl stares at Cooper and hoots. 
Yeah. Uh, Harry uh, incapacitates the guard, and they walk inside. Uh, let's see. They, yeah, this uh, is like a full-on assault on One-Eyed Jacks. This is them kind of going siphon filter. You know, they're going Metal Gear Solid on the place. Yes. Um, yeah, so they basically infiltrate One-Eyed Jacks. A lot of, like, I like the layout of One-Eyed Jacks. I like the, like, twisty hallways and... Um, it's kind of like, I don't know. It, it feels like a place that you like shouldn't go. You know yeah. what I mean? It feels mm-hmm. like a bad, like bad stuff goes on there. Um, and it does. Maddie uh, continues to watch through the bushes. Uh, Harold tells Donna about raising flowers, and they kiss gently. Uh, he leaves, and Don- Donna signals through the window with a flashlight, as they discussed. Uh, Cooper continues through the hallway. He finds Nancy, forces her. Does a cool little move uh, on her and forces her to take him to Audrey. Nancy pulls a knife, but Cooper anticipates this and overpowers Catches her him. hand from behind him. <laughs> Catches her... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, like when she's about to stab him, he like grabs her hand like he knew it was coming. I mean, he did know it was coming, but he also does it without looking. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like, wow, Cooper. Very badass. Mm-hmm. Uh he he carries Audrey. Uh, it's still badass if you're punching a woman in the stomach, right? Dude, if, no, if bad. no. For, so first <laughs> of all, I it's not that I have a problem with like, you know, she's someone trying to kill you, or like a woman is like an assassin, and like you're fighting a woman. Like I I don't I, that part didn't bother me. How stupid this fucking thing looks <laughs> bothered me. Like when he punches yeah. her in the stomach, me and my girlfriend both were like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> it just looks so crazy like <laughs> like how bad could a stomach punch what could that i mean you'd have to hit someone in the stomach pretty hard to make them go down you know what i mean like it's just like it just it just looks very silly as yeah. does the rest of the scene quite honestly uh, uh jean kisses blackie and kills her with a with a blade Mm. Then uh, uh, sees Harry watching through the window. Harry's watching, doing nothing about it. He's just watching. I mean, he's a full-on, he's a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Harry's uh, shooting back, I think. And uh, Cooper and Audrey reunite with Harry, but are confronted by a bodyguard with a gun. Uh, Knife is suddenly thrown into the bodyguard's back, and Hawk reveals himself. Yeah. Gotta love Hawk. He always shows up right when you you need him. Yeah. Commenting that uh, Dale and Harry could not keep a secret, uh, and the four flee. Hank calls Ben to report that the officers are leaving with Audrey, just as Jean puts a knife to his neck. Uh, Jean finds the prosecutor's ID in Hank's pocket and believes it to be his. Uh, Donna uh, silently instructs Maddie to access the secret. So we know what happens. Maddie rushes in. Yeah. Harold uh, freaks freaks the hell out and yeah. basically slashes he, he freaks his out own in a really face. chill way. <laughs> yeah, with a a gardening cleaver. Is that that what that call that's called a cleaver? Yeah, uh, it's like a yeah, it's to like poke holes in your soil or whatever to like break up yeah. soil. It, he scratches his face all the way down with it and screams right. like a banshee. Yeah, it's it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, that's uh that's the end of that's the end of that episode. So that happened. So that happened. Yeah, and which is again another like another 
disturbing for no reason and inconsistent Harold moment where I'm like, what, mm. what is your deal, bro? Like, what are you? What, what kind of weird are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will say though, for as much as I am dogging on Harold, like mm. that, that, that uh, cliffhanger moment, that blackout was is pretty like I, yeah. I I don't hate it. I'm like okay, yeah. Like it you kind bad. of are like, what's gonna happen now? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is he gonna claw his whole face off? Like what is? Yeah, is there punishment for breaking in? He kills himself. <laughs> like <laughs> what? Um. Yeah. It's uh. It's interesting. Uh. All right. It is episode thirteen. And Eric, would you like me to take over? If you want to. If you want to, Jeremy, that would be lovely. Okay. Well, this is episode 13 of the show, or uh, season two, episode six. It's called Demons. Very cool Mm. title, Demons. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. I was very excited about this title, Uh, not just because I I know where the story is sort of heading, but I think you already get enough clues that um, there, there is probably something extra like like there's something spiritual going on mm. with uh mm. twin peaks and and the killers and the people and the people who might be involved and um the one-armed man and you know like we we see that there are uh there are things afoot that perhaps oh, live yeah. in the woods that may not be of this world or of this physical mortal realm um that being said, we cold open to Harold telling Donna that she lies and betrays just like all everyone else. <laughs> uh, he's about to stab Donna, but which is very cool of Harold. When James yeah. bursts in and pulls them out, Harold holds on to the diary. James says he will go to the police. This scene is of huge bothers to me. I was bummed at this scene. <laughs> this this way the skirmish plays out. Like James quote-unquote saving them is it looks foolish he also pulls them out without grabbing the diary which is very stupid like yeah why didn't you grab it like why didn't they grab like like the skirmish also looks very silly it's staged very poorly um and then i i gotta i we gotta give harold some some props here for the poor guy being that he is probably the worst character on Twin Peaks so far, starts screaming into the air as he's shooting insect dust at his plants. That's like his <laughs> final scene of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, he was probably told to do that. And the guy, you know, he did his best. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Cooper carries Audrey into the bookhouse and lays her down. He finds evidence that she has been drugged with heroin. She mumbles mm-hmm. in her delirium. About Almost her a lethal dose. Almost a lethal dose. She's doing a good job. I think. I think she, her her like uh, her acting in this is pretty good. Actually, I think she does I do a too. good job, and it kind of reminds me of her character in uh, Wild at Heart. Yeah, I, my favorite scene in Wild at Heart still. Oh yeah, and this is probably my favorite storyline of Twin Peaks so far. Is just the Audrey getting kidnapped and being drugged. It's again, like we mentioned before, it's very dark and it's very effective. She regains lucidity and tells Cooper that she had prayed for him to come. And we saw that scene earlier. Uh, Donna and James watch Maddie drive off. James says that they should stick together and that way they will be safe forever. 
James is an idiot. Okay. Uh, Harry thumbs through a book of criminal photos, and Cooper tells him that Audrey was very close to a lethal dose of heroin. Harry has identified Jean Renault in the book and tells Cooper about the surveillance tape, and Cooper deduces Jean's plot. Cooper says that he left his jurisdiction twice, and now Audrey is paying the price. Harry reassures him that Audrey is safe now and tells Cooper that he is the best lawman he has ever met, but he thinks too much. Yep. I th- So in both cases with Harold and Jean Renault, I think something that these two uh, scenes slash storylines have in common is they both left the perpetrators at the scene. Like in both cases, why not hunt down yeah. Jean Renault? <laughs> like while you're at One-Eyed Jackson, now you've clearly overcome One-Eyed Jacks. Like, like these cops are all super qualified and able to handle themselves in a in a dangerous situation and they all run away like they like like they were like uh they were being overwhelmed or pursued by people but like why did they they didn't need to escape at that point they pretty much had taken over one-eyed jacks so yeah. it's silly it, it's silly that they left john Renault behind and it's silly that at that point there's uh in the case of james maddie and and donna they have three, you know, adult human bodies to Harold's one. They could have just overtaken him and taken him to the police. <laughs> like, why do they have to run away? I don't know. Eric, how do you feel about uh, running away? <laughs> I mean, it's don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's just not like satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cooper meets Ben in the hotel dining room with a briefcase of money. He reports that Audrey was at the one was at One Eyed Jacks with that Blackie was murdered by Jean Renault, and that Audrey is recovering from a drug overdose. Ben hugs and thanks Cooper. Bobby yeah. pushes Leo through the kitchen in a wheelchair. Tom Brockman, the insurance agent, congratulates <laughs> Bobby and Shelley on their dedication to Leo. Shelley signs the agreement, and the agent gives him their first check, which is much smaller than Bobby had planned for. A lot. I, I can't remember what it was exactly. Yeah, it was I like was trying to think too. Or something. Okay, yeah, because they they were expecting five thousand, and they were getting. Yeah. Uh, I guess they got like nine hundred. Um, yeah insane scene and uh i'm realizing now that we hadn't seen leo in a while and now we finally (laughs) get to see him and it's um it's pretty disturbing that he is just a vegetable kind of staring off into space as uh horrible as leo was in life um him being dead dead eyed and slack jawed is like uh yeah it's like some, wow. it's like something kind of out of a fucking weird horror movie, like a Saw movie. It's it's not it's not yes. as funny as I think the show thinks it is. While his wife is porking, yeah, Bobby, yeah, and we'll get to that scene here in a second, which yeah. is like I think the greatest offense of the show, <laughs> yeah. of the show's uh, uh, historically not very offensive um, content. So Donna sure. tells Harry about Laura's secret diary. Harry warns her that she is like the boy who cried wolf. Nice, Harry. (laughs) Gordon Cole, Cooper's hard of hearing supervisor enters, played by David Lynch. Hell yeah. Um, His whole bit is that he screams. He's like kind of screaming his dialogue because he can't hear well. Uh, Eric, what do you think of this bit? Uh, I love it. It's, (laughs) you know, it's like something, it's a bit that has been done. Like the other time I've seen this kind of bit done is uh, Billy Eichner in Parks and Rec. Oh, right. Yeah. His character just screams. And that, to me, was, was, like, too much. When David Lynch does it, it's like, 
I love it. I could watch it all day. I really like it. Yeah, so many good yeah. gags from Gordon Cole. I, I love. He oftentimes the gag is just that he repeats what was just said by somebody else because he couldn't hear them. Yes. Um, or like I liked. Sometimes he'll just like answer a question or a response with something that has nothing to do with <laughs> right, what the person yeah. just said. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gordon delivers Albert's reports. The hair from outside Cooper's room was from a Vicuna coat. Vicuna? We all know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> the drug from Gerard's syringe was unique, and the papers from near the train wreck were from a diary. Hawk enters dragging Gerard, who is taken to Harry's office. Ben visits Audrey... And she rebuffs his words of comfort. She asks for Cooper to take her home, but Ben suggests they all go together. As I would, too, if I was Ben, her father, yeah. um, knowing my daughter clearly wants to fuck this FBI agent. Uh, right. Nadine proudly comes back home with Ed in some bags, and she asks when her parents will be home from Europe, and then not so subtly hints that they should have sex. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I'm sure Ed is dreading the sex because Nadine is very strong. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jonathan gets dressed and tells Josie that they are leaving that night. Oh, they just had sex. I think that is heavily implied. Jonathan and Josie just banged. Yeah. 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 Uh, Josie argues that she needs to be paid from the insurance money and by Ben Horn. But Jonathan says she will kill Harry if she does not leave that night. Maddie looks over the lake, sitting next to James. He apologizes for their romantic confusion, and Maddie says that she liked it, that James was confusing her for Laura. Uh, she says that he and Donna belong together and that she is going home the next day. Yep. Ben hands Josie a glass of wine and says she will not leave the office without her money. Then he kisses her a bunch, which yep. was confusing because Josie, I knew, was sleeping with Harry and then we knew she was maybe with like had some sort of entanglement with Hank and then Jonathan and now Ben Horn. They just kind of like throw that in there. Like it's <laughs> yeah. maybe not a big deal, but it like to me, I'm like, what? Like yeah. since when are you two uh, getting down? Um, so yeah, she uh, Ben threatens her with a, his secret file on her late husband's demise which I'm guessing what says that she killed her husband. I, that would be the only thing that would threaten her, right? Uh, yeah. She rebounds so. with her own key to a safety deposit box full of evidence against him. Ben signs over to her the check from Tokyo Bank. Tokyo Bank. <laughs> yep. Uh, Bobby and Shelly have a party celebrating Leo's homecoming. Bobby and Shelly kiss, but Leo's head droops forward and Shelly screams. Uh, that doesn't, that sentence doesn't do a good job describing what this scene no, is. It's, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. This scene is crazy. It is basically, they're like getting drunk, dancing around his corpse. Like, um, uh, what's that movie? Like, uh, uh, weekend at Bernie's like body. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, they're being insane. Uh, they end up start trying to kind of bang in front of him, which even if you were like excited to be free of this guy or you wanted to get one over on him, like I gotta say banging in front of a, a, a guy just staring into space, that's gotta be difficult to do. So yeah. I don't know what they were thinking anyways, but yeah, his head slightly falls forward a little bit and suddenly Bobby feels very guilty about it. And so he starts like 
out of fear or something like giving him a piece of cake and then leo's head falls into the cake which is very disturbing he picks his head up by the ponytail mind you so by his hair then he starts wiping the cake off of leo's face and then they laugh about it (laughs) it's like uh it's like watching two sociopaths have their way with like a kidnapping victim it's it's so insane yeah it's uh, uh, eric what did you think of this yeah. scene <laughs> it's yeah i mean yeah it's it's pretty nuts i guess like my thing with the, my thing with leo is like he's a like very bad person and i don't necessarily feel sympathetic for him i just more like think that bot like Bobby sucks too. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like Shelly is the only like good person in this situation, and even she's sort of becoming like a mean like idiot. Yeah, this, this isn't like I, I agree with you that like uh, Leo having a fate similar to this isn't necessarily like what I have a issue with. It's how Bobby and Shelly are acting. It's yeah. like, oh, so you are just as bad as Leo. You're like psychopaths. <laughs> You're like absolute psychopaths. Um, yep. So Cooper meets Gordon at the station house. Gordon tells Cooper that Al, uh, that Albert thinks Cooper is in over his head like he was in Pittsburgh and delivers an anonymous letter that was sent to the home office. It is an opening move from a chess deal indicating that Cooper, indicating to Cooper that it is from Wyndham Earl, his Wyndham old Earl. partner. Um, yep. Ben and Leland enter Ben's office and Ben says he needs Leland back. Leland says that he is 110%. Ben says Jerry is on his way to check out the new investors that they need a way to delay the project. So Leland suggests several devious ways. Mm-hmm. Harry enters Josie's house and finds Jonathan carrying a full load of suitcases. Josie tells Harry she is leaving. Harry tells her she cannot leave, that he loves her. She turns away. Josie's on a vacation far away. Uh, Ben lights a cigar at a table with Mr. Tojimura, who asks why he has received nothing when Ben has a cashier's check for $5 million. Mr. Tojimura says he will withdraw while Ben tries to dance around the questions, and Tojimura says his family was at Nagasaki. Oh, boy. Uh, The sounds of a piano and Leland's voice begin, and Ben excuses himself. Leland does not take the hint to stop, and Tojimura watches from the bar. Next to him, Pete turns and identifies the song Leland sings as being from The King and I, which is... Have you seen The King and I, Eric? Uh, I haven't, but I know that this is from that. Okay. I think I know some of the the songs. Leland is like a very... uh, He's like a show tune guy. He's yeah, he like likes show tunes. Guy. Yeah. And I yeah. say, Ben Horn, leave him alone. He's just having a good time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as Leland and Ben exchange compliments, Pete tries to engage Tujimura in conversation, specifically by offering Tujimura a drink and then a full glass of milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is now, we're getting to the best scene probably in the entire episode and sort of yeah. back on track. Uh, the officers inter- interrogate Gerard, who begs him for his medicine, and Cooper asks if he suffers from schizophrenia. He begins to have a seizure and speaks in an otherworldly voice. I think it is recommended by... I can't remember who, but somebody in the room that they not give him his medication because his medication... I think what they're implying is they want to hear from this other voice. 
Um, this yeah. is medically irresponsible. I just want to throw oh, yeah. out there. <laughs> and by today's is. standards, is is very um, disturbing that you would withhold medication from a schizophrenia patient uh, on the whim that perhaps he's possessed by a spiritual demon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for the show, say, it, it's it's cool. It, what happen, I will say what happens is pretty cool. So Yeah, the voice um, is creepy as hell. I love yeah. it. Yeah. The voice that comes out of Gerard now, he says his name is Mike, and then he is inhabiting mm-hmm. he's an inhabiting spirit. He says that mm-hmm. Bob was his familiar and that he cannot reveal where Bob came from. He says that Bob is eager for fun and that everyone runs when he smiles. He talks mm-hmm. about parasites and says that Bob needs a host to feed on fear and the pleasures. Together, Cooper and Mike, together, Cooper and Mike recite a poem. Through the darkness of the future past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds, fire walk with me. Oh, yeah. Mike says that he saw God and took off his arm, but remained close to Gerard in order to stop Bob. He says that the picture is is Bob's true face but few can see it only the gifted and the damned he says that for the last 40 years bob has been in a lodge house in the trees a house mm-hmm. with many similar rooms but occupied by different souls every night cooper says the great northern hotel yep and that's the end of episode uh 13 <laughs> yeah yeah it was the season finale of twin peaks um yeah that's that's it. There's no more. There's no, no more. more. There's nope. no more. Nothing else happens. There are no episode 14 through 29. <laughs> no. Uh, we're just kidding with you, folks. We'll be back again next week with... What are we... Wait, episodes 14 through 16. 16, yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you think of this uh, this this ending to this episode, Eric? It's, it's really good. I actually, like... I was It was, like, a relief... Uh, to finally get back to this kind of shit because this is the this is the type of stuff that i come to that i come here for you know it's uh it, it was good it was yeah it was we like good the creeps and, you know i think i mentioned this but i'm like it's been long enough where i kind of like have forgotten some things and it's it's like it's nice to it's nice to like not know exactly what's what's going on um mm-hmm. so yeah um what what do you how are you feeling right now i love this i love this ending it's great it's a return back to the twin peaks i know and love which is very creepy very um you know uh scary spooky Mm. uh, mysterious uh also uh furthering the the plot that we all care about along and and like you know okay so bob Iger wanting to reveal the um the killer for laura palmer i you know I don't actually hate that if it means we get to it faster and skip some of this bullshit because <laughs> sure. some of this stuff is like, what are we like? It, it's yeah. such filler. It's such garbage filler that, yeah, like I, I, I guess I'm not sure how, how it all went down, you know, in the writer's room and like David Lynch, not wanting to reveal the killer to me seems like a bad move. I don't, I don't think, the Laura Palmer murder mystery is, is infinitely interesting. I think that it's right. interesting for about a season and a half of a show. Um, and that's about it. I think twin peaks is, is infinitely more fascinating than the Laura Palmer murder 
And I think there's plenty yeah. you could do with that situation and setting. So rushing to get to the Laura Palmer murder at this point, I feel like is good. I feel like that's a good move because it gets us in a position where we can tell more stories. It's just a, such a bummer that the stories that Twin Peaks seems like they want to tell are, you know, involve Mr. Uh, Tojimura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So next, next episode will be, be some interesting, uh, stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about the Bob Iger stuff and, and, and sort of the, uh, uh, the way, the, f- the, the, yeah. the, I guess decline, <laughs> the decline, decline of the show. Yeah. The decline uh, of the I show. I hesitate to say yeah. that because I, 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 d- I really, I, I do think that everyone, if you're listening to this and you've like never seen the show before, it all pays off. Um, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun when we get, when we get to, uh, the return and yeah. And there's um, good stuff in season two also. Like I, it, yes. it's not, it is downhill, but it's not like a, a painful slog i think it's no. you know there's uh, i mean billy zane shows up <laughs> yeah david duchovny david great, duchovny shows great up great character in this show yeah. david duchovny yeah um so yeah it's 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 very good uh it's all it's all good stuff and uh follow us on our uh patreon uh, follow us on twitter at chucky rules 420 subscribe to our patreon uh patreon.com slash eric and jeremy we got uh, almost weekly bonus episodes going up over there, and uh, we're about to record one right now. Very excited about. Uh, and with that, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.